I am Steve Jaco. Hope you Flypaniacs are doing well. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And yeah, I, I just realized I probably sound out of breath on this intro, and that's because I quickly switched chairs. I, for some reason, just never fixed my usual podcasting chair, even though it's been broken for like a month and a half. And I just keep forgetting to order a new one. I definitely am going to order a new one at this point tomorrow. And that's where I'm at. On top of that, Philadelphia Flyers. Weird team. Made some weird decisions in free agency. We are going to talk about that. Joining me tonight, the always wonderful Madeline Campbell. Maddie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. We've survived the drama of the day. You've got your replacement chair. I made two trips to the grocery store because I can't make a list and forget things, but... No, we made it. We're here. Feeling good, hopefully. It's nighttime, but it can only go up from here. It's, it can only go up from here. It's all... I guess it's downhill from here. I don't know. But I, I'm actually sweating in my basement right now because I've been doing too much work around that. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> I'm a complete mess. But we got some wonderful flyers stuff to get to, I guess. But I, I don't know. I, I would like to talk about this draft in slightly more detail than... I touched on with Kurt last week. When I touched on the draft with Kurt last week, it was basically like the Flyers drafted some young fellas onto the team. And here are their names really quickly. Cool. Yeah, that draft sure did happen. (laughs) Basically, that was the entire portion of the podcast on that. So what I said is I need to get somebody on that knows more about these picks, even anything is more than what I knew about these picks. So the best, the best of BSH is Maddie. So I got Maddie on Maddie. Let's, let's talk some draft picks. I'm, I'm pumped. Yay. Yay. I mean, you were right. You were right on with the, the proper vibe for this draft was that it sure did happen. And that's all we got. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. It sure did happen. And I, the thing is like, as unprepared as we might have been, the teams were right there with us. Like, there was basically, I mean, there was some scouting done, but the amount of scouting for this draft compared to previous drafts isn't even close because a lot of these guys, like, they didn't play, they played in weirder leagues, the footage wasn't available, people couldn't go in person. It just COVID completely threw the draft into a crazy spiral. Yeah, it's uh, definitely messier this year than in the past. So I'm willing to cut the flyers and teams in general, a bit of slack for any weirdness that happens this year, just because like, what can you do? Everybody's doing their best out here. Probably. (laughs) That's the assumption I would make is that they are doing their best. And I, I, I guess the thing with the flyers too, is like, they didn't even have a first round pick, which I know a lot of people had talked about them, trading the rights to the first round pick this year because this team needs help now 
we want to win for Claude Giroux and all that fun stuff. And I, I could totally agree with that sentiment. Now, what the Flyers ended up trading the first round pick for is it's already the most divisive thing for Philadelphia Flyers fans is Rasmus Ristolainen. Risto is just the single most divisive Flyers topic, and he hasn't even donned a jersey yet. It's wild. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what it's, things are going to look like by the time we hit training camp. Like, <laughs> it's going to be somehow even more chaos than we have now, which is hard to wrap my brain around. I'm just waiting for the tailgate fight between all the Ristolainen fans and, like, everybody else. Like, just, like, come into... It, it's going to be, like, the crazy Anchorman news anchor fight. Like, I'm here for it, and I would like to do play-by-play for it. I'm not passionate enough to participate in it. I mean, I'm I'm more on the skeptical side with Ristolainen. He just is not... I listen to people that are smarter than me on these topics, usually. And all the smart people are saying, Rasmus Ristolainen is not a very good NHL defenseman, and certainly not one worth a first-round pick. I'm willing to give the guy a chance, especially a guy who can smash people's faces in like he can, but... I'm not, I, I'm definitely on the skeptical side of this argument. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I'm interested in seeing to what degree uh, he could possibly improve purely on just not being in Buffalo anymore. And I think that's a big thing that the Flyers are betting on, that now that he's liberated, they can fix him. And I whether that works out or not, we'll see. But I'm interested in seeing. Just what the liberation of Rasmus Ristolainen is just a wonderful novel. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I know people have been tweeting at me quite a bit to have a determination on what the defenders of Rasmus Ristolainen are going to be called and and quite a few submissions out there already from people which I'm not used to. This is this is definitely strange territory for me because, you know, as many of you know, I I, I coined the phrases the Morin Mafia, the Hey, Gitmen, I have not made a determination yet, folks, but thank you for the submissions. I will think long and hard on this, and by the end of the summer, there will be an official determination from me on this. But regardless, people, you know, it's a love or hate thing, it seems, with Ristolainen. My biggest question right now, since I really want to focus in on the draft, is given who was out there, given who the Sabres picked, how upset should we be about the Flyers trading this pick? Because I think an argument can be made that due to the lack of scouting and due to the lack of knowledge about these these young guys compared to previous years, if there is a year you're going to make a trade like this with the first round pick, this might be it. So would Maddie, are you upset that they traded this given the talent that was available in the draft where they were supposed to pick? Um, I mean, I'm upset that they traded the pick because I put in a ton of work in draft prep and it feels like they're laughing in my face but (laughs) that's just me being a a whiny baby it's okay you you have every right to be a whiny baby about this like I fully support that I would be upset too if I was in your shoes (laughs) but um yeah I mean I think in a vacuum I'm not super upset that they traded the pick just like I I don't love the Ristolainen trade but just the idea that they're 
actually using their assets to hopefully make the team better. That's a good thing. I'm here for that, but um, there there were definitely still some some guys on the board that I would have liked them to grab. Um, so mixed feelings there, definitely. Okay, and I I mean the tough thing is it's going to take at least a season to make a determination on if this was a good trade for the Flyers or not because I mean. You have to look at the talent they could have had. That's an obvious issue. But, I mean, it really comes down to Ristolainen. If Ristolainen is a great fit in this defense and he really is just, like, a piece the Flyers just made a great move by coming in and sweeping up. Like, Chuck Fletcher, in all his comments, has seemed very happy about this pickup. And he has gotten bashed for this trade. And Like, when I was recounting it with Kurt last week, we were going over a couple of the, the athletic grades on the trade and the one guy had graded it a J, which isn't even in the grading alphabet. Yeah. Uh, feels pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think even if Ristolainen is just passable, like I, I, I would be fine. My expectations are so low at this point. I just need serviceable and I will not be too fussed about them trading the pick. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I'll take serviceable, especially after the defensive performance last year. It's kind of funny, serviceable in a couple of different areas gets the Flyers into the playoffs last year. That's really the difference maker. Yeah, the just the bar everywhere, it seems to be, is just pretty low. Super low. Super low. Nobody can limbo under that bar. <laughs> Let's take a look at some of the actual picks they did make. So the Flyers didn't get to pick until the second round. They picked at 46 and their first pick, and I'm still figuring out this pronunciation, so I apologize, but Samu Tuamala, and I'm pretty sure that's close, so I'll take that uh, right wing. The main thing I've heard about him, I, I heard this is a great pick for the Flyers given where they were at. He kind of fell a little bit, uh, and he's a speedster. And I love that because this team just does not have speedsters. It doesn't have burners, and they, they desperately need it. Yeah, I that's definitely bang on, and I, I do like this pick. Now, I think you could get a little bit, uh, you could kind of quibble a little bit with some of the other players that were still on the board at that point, like... I mentioned in the write-up that uh, Tuamala looks really good at the uh, summer showcase, but kind of the number one star of that finished team was Aturati, and uh, he was still on the board when he was taken. So you could have some feelings there, but uh, he definitely does address that need that the Flyers decided that they had for uh, adding some speed to the lineup. So if, if they decided that just this was the particular skill set that they had honed in on and that's what they wanted. I'm not too fussed about the pick. I do like to a lot as a player. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with this pick. Yeah. So they did well with this pick, but there was still the potential that they could have done better. Yeah. Well, given what they did get, I, I like the speed angle. I, I, you wrote in your write up on BSH that he has flashes of dynamic playmaking, quick release on the wrist shot. And he can't, he's often a dangerous storing threat. So all of this sounds like, I, I think one of the things that you can definitely criticize the Flyers with their draft strategy in recent years is playing it too safe, 
And this sounds like a guy who, while they're not necessarily taking a risk or a gamble, this sounds like a guy with a lot of upside, which is, I really think, like, something they've really needed to do more of in the drafting in recent years. Yeah, definitely. And there are definitely some areas of his game that need a bit of cleaning up. Uh, The big thing is he can get kind of caught playing a little bit too much on the perimeter at times, but I think that's something that can be coached out of him as he you know continues developing his game he's still so young so uh if they can work on some of the finer points of his game and everything they might have a real steal here well i love that uh anywhere the flyers can get a steal in these drafts is i'll take it because it just doesn't feel like they get enough of them yeah that's our flyers for you <laughs> Let's move on to round three, pick number 78, Alexei Kolosov. He's a goaltender, and I so this one I'm not sure how to feel about, but I like a lot of the things you listed as, you know, things that stand out from the quickness, the sense of calmness, uh, economy of movement, the, like those kind of things sound great, but you also noted that there's some concerns about his size and, you know, some of his distance shots, you know, things like that. So how are you feeling about this pick? I don't hate it. Um, He's probably the, like the third best goalie in this draft behind um, Kosa and Wallstedt. I mean, the gap between those groups is uh, is pretty substantial, but um, if they just decided that they wanted to pick up another goalie for depth, um, I don't hate that he's the one uh that said we'll see what happens but i I, i'm not too sold on the upside here um he to me seems like if he hits his ceiling he's kind of like an alex lyon type where he could get in for some games at the nhl level but is probably more topping out at as like an ahl depth guy which you need, but it doesn't really feel like a hit that one out of the park pick. Right. And that's not exactly the kind of pick you want to see in round three. Like if you're getting an AHL or out of like five, six, seven, that's great. Right. But like three, you're still hoping for, you know, NHL level if you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, I, I that was one of the other things I, I read about this. It might've been Pronman who had said this about the Flyers draft, where it really doesn't feel like they they drafted a lot of potential NHL talent. Like, Tuamala certainly, you know, fits that bill, but it didn't really feel like they, they nabbed too many other guys that could really get up there. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. As we hit on some of these next names, it seems like a real theme here is like, well, they show some flashes playing at, their respective junior level um and that's intriguing but we don't really have a ton of confidence that that's gonna be uh skill sets that really translate well to the pro level um it might but it's it's not something that we feel awesome about just from our perspective now maybe the flyer scouts feel differently i sure hope that they do because they made these picks but yeah it's it's a tough one and it's it feels weird coming on the heels of last year's draft where 
you look at some of their mid-round picks like Connor McLennan or Elliot Denoye and you're like oh wow like they 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 might have something here it looks like they might have found kind of a, a diamond in the rough interesting prospect but I don't know I I don't have that same feeling about really any of these other picks to be completely frank now do you think they played it safe with these picks or do you think that was more of uh i don't know like that's just what was there or they really did think these were the best guys there um it's tough to say i mean i keep bringing up um dylan duke who went i think 126 in the fourth round um and was one of the kind of standout players at the NTDP this year and just looked really good at the summer showcase. Uh, he fell way farther than he should have. And I think he's probably a guy the Flyers should have taken a shot on, um, but they didn't. But yeah, I don't know if it's, it's probably a bit of both. I It seemed like they played it a little safe with these picks, but also there might just be a degree of with how weird scouting was this year. Uh, they just had guys who saw these players more than other teams did perhaps. And just felt like we'll take a shot on them because this is, this is who we've seen the most. And that makes sense. I, I get that. I get, you know, as with any draft, I guess we'll, we'll find out, but so you're talking about round four. This seems like a great opportunity to break into the round four pick. At 110, they pick Brian Zanetti, who uh, you listed as a mobile defenseman, spent last year with Lugano, the Swiss uh, U-20 league, and is going to come overseas to play with Peterborough of the OHL next year. Strong skater and clean passer with good size, who was able to kick in a good bit of scoring last year. So how do you feel about Zanetti at this point? Um, I don't have too many precise feelings here. Uh to be honest, it was tough to find too much on him. Uh, I think just by virtue of the league that he was playing in, uh, a lot of what I came up with was just, he's big! Good oh, wow. reach! Hooray! Hooray! I'm like, okay. He's big, he's mobile. Cool. I mean, that that sounds good, in yeah. theory. That's, you know, raw skill. Yeah. It's Phil Myers, right? He's big, he can skate. Who's to say? Maybe. Who's to say? And who's to say what Phil Myers will be after a couple of years with Nashville? But <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I was just going to add, like, I feel like I'm being pretty negative about this draft right now. But um, I my opinion here could change pretty quickly. I haven't seen really any. Well, I haven't seen any of these guys play in person, uh, hoping I'll be able to at a dev camp whenever that happens, whoever they're going to be able to get there. Um, so feeling very much wait and see here, but yeah. Yeah. Th those things we took for granted in previous years about, oh, we'll, we'll see him at dev camp in a month or two. And it's like, well, well uh, who even knows what restrictions are going to be up or anything? You know, it's, it's fun times we live in. Yay. Yay. Ugh. Round five, pick 158 tie. Murrickson or Murchison? Murchison, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, also defense, he was an ASU commit who spent last year with the NTDP and found some good results playing in a competitive program, skates well for his size, can execute clean passes, and shown good transition ability at the junior level. But you uh, listed that it remains a question how well that particular ability and instinct will translate to the professional level. So uh, 
how are you feeling about this pick and anybody in the proximity to that you would have picked instead if you were Chucky two trades? Uh, down in this range, I, I didn't really have anybody particular in mind that I would have picked over um, any of these last few. So uh, I'm not too fussy about the picks here. Uh, Murchison I've seen actually a little bit of, I mean, obviously remotely just from him playing with the NTDP and uh, obviously not an easy program to get settled into. Uh, so I, I think he's, if we're looking for an intriguing pick to be found here, um, I think the bar is a little bit lower than maybe in the past drafts, but uh, he's he would probably be the guy for me. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, with this kind of group of defensemen that we're getting into here, it's like, ooh, how well is the, that skill set going to translate to the next level? We'll see. Yeah, and I really feel like five and later is really a crapshoot, even in a good year, because you're really not likely to find NHL talent that late. Like, you, you do luck out sometimes. There have been some great NHL players that have come out from the late rounds, but they are few and far between. Yeah, we're definitely uh, definitely getting into crapshoot zone here. The crapshoot zone. Round six, pick 174, Ethan Sampson, defense from Prince George in the WHL. Uh, you noted shown some flashes of having nice puck skills at the junior level, projects more as a defensive defenseman of this group, and plays a physical game and brings a good motor. Anything you want to add about that? Any thoughts on Samson or just, uh, we'll see with him. Yeah, we'll see is pretty much it. Uh, the last, yeah, it seems like they definitely wanted to stock up on defensemen a little bit more in this draft as well. Um I wouldn't say that the pipeline's super thin there, but that definitely has emerged as a trend with this one. Yeah, I noticed that. D, D, D. It's lots of defense that was drafted here. And I, I mean, if there's one area where you really do want to keep the cupboard stocked, like if you look over at Nashville, most of their success comes from just having defense constantly stocked. But they also are a defense farm and they just pop out, you know, a bunch of Norris-worthy defensemen every year, and they can afford to just trade them away for a Nolan Patrick and a Phil Myers, apparently. Must be nice, huh? It must be nice. But also, I, I will very much take that. And, th of course, then they get the first-round pick away for Ristolina. But, yeah, that's, we've talked about that, and we'll continue to talk about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, we can't go back to it. I can't relive it just yet. I can't relive it just that. And again, we are going to talk about this so much. It is the hot button topic. It's going to be the hot button topic for the entirety of the next season. Because the, the other thing with Ristolainen is he is going to be a free agent. So really, there's so much riding on this season and his performance. Buckle in, folks. Buckle in. Can't wait. Finally, round seven, pick 206 on McLaughlin. From Mount St. Charles Academy, and he is a localish boy from Spring City, PA, which I looked up is near Royersford. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. Yeah, but bring him home. Come on. We see all the other local guys go out in other places like Calgary and and Anaheim for a while. You know, let's let's keep a guy around here. Yeah, why not? And um, I think this is an interesting pick too. I. He's still pretty, pretty raw in his skill set, and it's very much not clear how he's going to develop, and it's it's going to take a little while for him. Like I mentioned, he's going to be 
uh, going to Sioux City of the USHL next season, and then he's committed to Penn State after that. Um, so definitely some developing that needs to happen there, but he did put up pretty good scoring numbers in high school, and that's that's interesting. You know, this seems like a pretty low risk potential for high reward pick if they they obviously have somebody who was able to see quite a bit more of him and liked what they saw so um who knows what happens here but this is the kind of player i like to see teams taking a shot on in in the late late rounds more of that please yes now outside of tuamala who would you say you're most excited about from this bunch um <laughs> uh I'm gonna give it to Murchison, sure. Okay. Let's roll with it, Murchison. So keep an eye on Murchison. There you go. Well, you know, as we said, it, it was an interesting draft. A lot of people didn't really have as much information as usual. And we'll keep our eyes on what happens, but at least the Flyers made one exciting pick that we'll hopefully see in a couple of years yeah and i mean the other thing is with how well stocked their pipeline is to begin with like if they miss on a couple of picks this year it's really not the end of the world now talking about that pipeline specifically on defense that brings us to free agency where i thought the flyers made one very interesting choice one I don't know what you're thinking choice and one, uh, they really did that choice, but let's start with the interesting one in Keith Yandel. And this feels like a safe choice in a lot of ways. Uh, this is just a simple one year deal, 900 K Keith Yandel is a very consistent offensive defenseman for the past few years. He is a guy who has been on the flyers radar at trade deadline. As long as I can remember, it feels like, but why I'd like to bring him up in the transition from the draft and the prospects is I was really penciling in Cam York on that third pairing. And I really wanted to see if Cam York could make the team outright. And he still could technically Yandel could be your guy in the box. I, I very much doubt Yandel is going to be your guy in the press box. I'm pretty sure that's going to be Sam Moran, but Yandel, I don't hate this move. I really just wanted to see York, kind of secure his place with the team outright. I, look, I I got plenty of responses from people saying, uh, injuries are going to happen, you're going to see... I know I'm going to see York. But there are very few young guys I really thought had a chance to, to make the lineup outright this year, and York was one of them, so I really was hoping to see York there, but it's not it's not the end of the world, and Yandel seems like a fine third-pairing defenseman. Yeah, I uh, I agree. It's It seems like a pretty low-risk pick up to add a bit more depth but I was also very much penciling in York to, to start the team start the season with the with the team that is um yeah I really felt like he was pretty close to a finished product coming out of college or at least to the point where any adjusting polishing that had to go into his game it didn't really matter too much whether that was happening at the AHL or NHL level like he was probably going to be fine either way um yeah so it's interesting I don't hate the idea of them having a little bit of internal competition here he's certainly going to get a chance to make the team out of camp but 
uh, I, I just worry about him getting boxed out at this point. You know, I, I don't think an extra year in the AHL is going to hurt him, but like, why if you don't have to? Right. I'm right there with you. I, I felt like he had a lot of good looks when he came up briefly at the end of last season. And I wanted to see what he could do at the NHL level. He looked like a guy who was ready to take that leap. And I wanted to see if he could secure the spot outright out of training camp. But I, I maybe the Flyers saw something that we didn't. It really feels like, I mean, obviously one of Chuck Fletcher's goals this offseason was to change the locker room and bring in leadership. And, and Yandel is a good locker room presence. That part is, I don't think anybody can debate that part of the equation right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it is also funny that this offscene has just been a little bit of bringing in uh, Kevin Hayes' buddies. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Hayes is the new GM now, right? Like, he's just making all these decisions. I mean, that's it is interesting that Chuck Fletcher's first big free agent was Kevin Hayes, and now he's bringing in all his pals. I, maybe he likes the influence that Kevin Hayes has brought and wants more of that in the locker room. Yeah, Kevin Hayes is just the shadow GM at this point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a decision, all right. We'll just put it there. But, I mean, Yandel, out of the three free agents that they signed, I mean, they signed a couple guys for, for depth as well in the AHL, but the three big guys that they signed, Yandel is the best signing. He's a solid third-pairing guy at this point in his career. He's a good power play guy. Yandel Braun... It sounds like an okay third pairing. It doesn't necessarily sound like anything I, I'd be really thrilled about, but it's it's fine. It sounds better than some of the, you know, third pairings, any of the pairings they really had last year. Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. There's definitely value to be had here, but, you know, as the sort of resident always banging on the table to play the kids person, uh, I have some feelings about it. Well, it's a bummer because this felt like a perfect opportunity to play the kids. And, and York is, he, he's, you know, one of the top Flyers prospects at this point And a guy that everybody's been excited about since he was drafted. Especially because the guy who was drafted right after him, Cole Caulfield, everybody, you know, thought the Flyers were drafted from USA prospect. No, it's, it's not. Cole Caulfield, it's Cam York. And Cole Caulfield had an outstanding playoff performance for the Canadiens. So there is some unfair pressure on Cam York at this point to make the team and perform. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really care about the pressure aspect of it. I just want to see young, exciting players get in there and get a chance to show us what they got. And he's so good. He would have been so fun. I'm whining again. <laughs> He would have been fun, and as, again, many people pointed out to me on Twitter, there will be injuries, we will see him at some point, but I really would have liked to see him make the team outright. And this defense as a whole, I'm still not sure. I think it's an improvement. I mean, I think Ellis alone is such a massive upgrade over anything they had on the right side last year that it's it's an improvement right there. But I'm still on the fence about the overall mix being an improvement. Yeah, I I definitely am right there with you. I'm not super, super sold, but it, yeah, it just seems like so much is going to come down to 
how everybody will be playing in camp and if they're going to be able to get these new pairs kind of clicking. Um, I'm a little nervous about it, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about it too, and uh, we will definitely see. And well, on that note, speaking of clicking, we got Martin Jones as our next big free agent signing. And I was really hopeful that Chuck Fletcher would come in and sign. I, I want to say a rock star, but it's not. You can't describe a backup goaltender as a rock star at any point. But just like a, a really big upgrade in backup goaltender. I loved Moose. I love Brian Elliott, but. It was definitely time to upgrade in that position. And I'm really happy for Brian Elliott ending up where he did in Tampa Bay. I think that's an ideal situation for him. And he's on a cup contender. He's playing with Vasilevsky, who is a workhorse in there. So that's really what Brian Elliott needs to be doing. Uh, the Flyers went with Martin Jones out of all the guys that was out there, though, that were out there. And... Looking at the names that are out there, there's Halak, there was Holtby, there was Bernier, there was Reimer. I wasn't excited about Holtby, but the other three guys I would have loved. And, you know, according to, to Charlie's article, Charlie O'Connor uh, had an article saying that they didn't like the fit with Halak. Holtby wanted to stay out west. Bernier ended up pricing himself out. And Reimer went to the Sharks, and Reimer is the only one that I was kind of like, a little confused by because you know something about him being too expensive but Reimer is only 250k more expensive than Martin Jones and Martin Jones yeah I I get it but I also don't feel super great about it um I I would have preferred Reimer but if they're the Flyers feel like they're kind of in a spot where with having to get Sanheim and Hart re-signed, they're just trying to save as much money for that as possible. Um, that that two hundred fifty thousand becomes more important for them. But uh, yeah, I I'm hopeful that Jones can kind of bounce back here, uh, like we've talked about. Um, he does have that relationship with uh, with Kim Dillabaugh and. Maybe that helps him out some, but yeah, it's, I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about it either. Jones has had a rough few years at this point, three straight seasons at an 896 save percentage, which is very Flyers-esque at this point. That feels perfect for the current Flyers team. And another thing that was pointed out to me by numerous, by numerous people that uh, the 896 would be above anything the Flyers got last year. Sure, but I wanted an upgrade. I wanted better. I really wanted to improve there, and it just it just didn't happen. I mean, I, I could be wrong. This could be another Steve Mason situation. Like, when Steve Mason was traded for by Paul Holmgren a few years back, I was one of those people who was like, why would you do this? This guy is completely ruined. It doesn't make any sense. And Steve Mason ended up having a pretty nice little Flyers career there for a couple of years. Maybe this is a similar situation, but I am extremely doubtful. Yeah, it could be. And maybe there's something to be said for uh, this also being similar to, or at least our hope that it's going to be similar to a Ristolainen situation where uh, things are do not seem to be great out in San Jose right now. And 
maybe just getting him out of there in, in front of a new defensive system, that could help him out. Who's to say? Um, it's, it's a big thing to bank on, for sure. Uh, and, and I hope they're right. Yeah, I hope they're right, too. Chuck Fletcher did an interview with Steph the other day, and a great interview there uh, with Steph. I was very happy to contribute a couple of questions to that. But when he was asked about Jones, Chuck Fletcher felt, you know, very strongly that that getting, the, you know, he, he had a great, he did a great job as a starting goalie for a few years. He's been a workhorse. He's somebody who's had a big workload. And he really felt like he could bounce back. And I hope that Chuck Fletcher is right on his hunch there because goaltending was such an issue for the Flyers last year. And if the Flyers get average goaltending, the Flyers are probably a playoff team last year. And a lot is banking on Carter Hart coming back and now Martin Jones coming back. So, you know, banking on two guys having bounced back years is very iffy to me. Yeah, and once again, the the bar here is just so low, but yeah, there's a uh, there's definitely some risk here. We'll see how that pans out, but it's it's definitely pretty far from a sure thing. It is far from a sure thing, and this brings us to our last major free agent. And I'm using quote marks when I say major. Yeah, generous it's there. That's very generous. Nate Thompson is back. One year, hundred or eight hundred k, and I don't know why they brought Nate Thompson back. Like I really thought, if you are going to get a guy to be like a third, fourth line center, why not go out and get an upgrade of some sort? I'm not really sold on Scott Lawton as your third line center. I like Scott Lawton a lot, but as I was discussing with Kurt last week, I like Scott Lawton better on the wing or fourth line center, and he's an expensive fourth line center. Nate Thompson is not an expensive fourth-line center, but he is a guy that Elaine Vigneault, Big Al himself, a couple years ago, when he had the opportunity, overused the hell out of Nate Thompson. And I am not confident that won't happen this time around. I'm really hoping, though, Nate Thompson will be the press box guy and some of the younger guys will get a chance to play in that bottom six. Yeah, and that's that's really the thing. Like, the Nate Thompson experiment the first time around didn't really work and now we're trying it again um yeah it's it doesn't really make sense to me i i do get again this the idea of having depth and wanting to push for some internal competition fine with that um but i i'm really high on tanner lazinski i think he is pretty ready to take on that 4C role if they needed him to. And I'm just worried that Vigneault is going to fall in love with Thompson again. And we're going to see Lazinski just sitting in the press box or down with the Phantoms where he's not really gaining too much at this point. And uh, I don't know who that helps. No, I don't know who that helps either. And it's a lot like Cam York. I don't think it's really going to help him too much to be on the Phantoms this year, but I could be wrong. Lazinski's a guy who I, I liked in you know, the limited time we saw him last year. I really would have liked him for the bottom six. And also it's not like Wade Allison is a lock for this team, but it really feels like he's probably going to make the bottom six. So right now your bottom six guys, like it's probably going to be JVR down there. I mean, JVR is a guy who could fluctuate between 
the top six and the bottom six. That's just kind of what JVR does at even strength. Lawton is definitely going to be down there. Allison will probably be down there. Lindblom will probably be down in the bottom six. Uh, and that could be, by the way, a huge weapon for the Flyers having Oski Boy down there because he is... We know what he is capable of, and he's still bouncing back from his bout with cancer. So, you know, Lindblom coming back strong could be a huge factor for this team. But you got Lazinski possibly, you have NAK, and then Thompson's in the mix there somewhere. So it's not a bad bottom six by any means, but I was really hoping for, I don't know, some sort of upgrade at third line center because this team doesn't... In the past, the Flyers have been like notorious for being a team that is deep with center depth and this doesn't really feel like a team with a ton of center depth no it definitely doesn't and I mean I I guess it also depends actually I was gonna say first um it, it does seem like they kind of ran out of cap space to make a big improvement at 3c so I do get that but yeah it's it's tough, and you do figure, depending on how things shake out at camp, Morgan Frost is probably going to be in the mix for that 3C job. Um, that's I don't want to put too much pressure on him because he's coming back from that pretty significant shoulder injury. Uh, but he, he is a guy who could improve that, that bottom six as well. But, yeah, it's uh, things are interesting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but there, but Nate Thompson is not interesting. No, decidedly not. He's just fine. Like, he's very much an older defensive center. Like, that is exactly what he is. And he has nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I, I just worry about if you're trying to hopefully construct more of a, a skilled fourth line that he's just going to slow them down. Yeah. I really worry about that, and we are talking about speed before, and that's always the problem with the Flyers, especially in the modern NHL, and this feels like a move that will definitely cost them in the speed arena. Yeah. Classic Flyers. Classic. <sighs> well, that was not exactly the most exciting free agency period for the Flyers, but, you know, we had all those trades before that, so what did you really expect? When you're spending... Millions of dollars on your defense. That's what's going to happen. And, and maybe millions more. It's I'm very interested to see what happens with Hart and Sanheim on their contracts. Because I'm kind of expecting bridge deals for both of them. Especially for Hart. Because Hart had such an abysmal year last year. And was so good in the playoffs before that. Like, who even knows what to expect out of him at this point? Yeah, that, that definitely feels like the safe bet there i mean i'm sure the flyers would love to try and sneak a uh, a long-term contract on a, a lower cap hit there but i you gotta think that hart's gonna be trying to bet on himself here and go short term and try to cash in on the next contract after he's ideally bounced back but yeah but for both though bridge deal does make sense it makes perfect sense. Uh, Charlie had written on The Athletic recently, given the comparable, somewhere in the 3 to $4 million range for a cap hit. Feels like a reasonable assessment on a two- or three-year contract for Hart. I agree with that. I mean, obviously, Charlie knows way more about this than me, but it's that feels right. It feels right for both Hart and for the Flyers 
because Hart needs to bet on himself because Hart, he's a guy who has shown the glimpses of being a fantastic ace in the hole starting goaltender. And he just had the worst possible season last year. It really, it might be one of the worst goaltending seasons I've ever seen. I feel so bad for the guy. And obviously he's got too much documented out there by both his coach and certain members of the local media that nobody really needs to know about, but you know, it's out there. Great. But God, I desperately want to see Carter Hart bounce back this year. Yeah. Just what an absolutely brutal year it was for him. And I mean, for everybody, just the pandemic is been, uh, been a really tough time for everybody. And it's, you definitely feel for him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I know in my heart of hearts how difficult of a year it was. And then you break it down and it's just like, oh my God, it has been just absolutely brutal. Uh, But as we're hopefully coming out on the other side, uh, here's hoping that he is able to bounce back. Yeah, here's hoping because this team, this team doesn't go anywhere if Carter Hart is not back to at least 75% next year. This, they really are going to only go as far as I guess Carter Hart and Martin Jones go, but I'm still not banking on Jones. I am prepared to eat a lot of crow. If Jones is awesome. Yeah. I would love to be wrong there. I would absolutely love to be wrong. There's two areas. I am very willing to be wrong. It's Martin Jones and Rasmus Ristolainen. I would love if I'm wrong about Ristolainen. He is just the best Flyers defenseman of all time. I love it, but I, I have my doubts, but we'll see now. Regarding Ristolainen's partner, or at least projected partner, Travis Sanheim, he's actually going to be going to arbitration right now, unless the Flyers work out a deal in advance, but it sounds like they're not exactly on the same page. I very much expecting a bridge deal here for Travis Sanheim as well. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, I just, I'm not too worried too about them ultimately getting on the same page i know arbitration sounds kind of scary and like we're staring down some big drama situation happening but yeah i the bridge deal just makes so much sense for both parties and i i I think they're gonna be able to get it done arbitration really does sound scary it sounds like your parents are getting divorced or something but no arbitration's you know, it's common. It happens every year for tons of players, especially RFAs. Like, it, it's something that happens very commonly. But when we're so bored right now that any news is just blown up into a whole thing. That's the offseason, baby. Love it. Love the offseason. Charlie's projection on this, that leaves the mid-length deals. The three, four, five-year term, Sanheim would receive a sizable raise annually and receive the security that comes with the longer term, but the Flyers keep him in a cap hit range 4.5 to 5.25 million. That accurately fits his actual current on ice value and role, which, you know, obviously again, Charlie knows way more, but that sounds about right to me. And I would be happy if both those guys ended up signing contracts in those range. I mean, that's pretty much what the Flyers have cap room for right now to sign those guys in those range, unless they, pull a long-term contract out of either one of them. And I'd be very happy to see either one of those guys sign a long-term contract. Hart's, I think, if you're one of the two. Sandheim's been pretty solid. He's definitely a guy who's still 
honing his skills at the NHL level, but I, I feel like he's a solid player. He's not a guy I notice much out there, but that can be a very good thing for a defenseman. Yeah, that <laughs> truly kind of does feel like the best in a lot of situations. Like, I never noticed Kimo Tiemann out there, but Kimo Tiemann was awesome because I never noticed him. Exactly. But Sanheim's problem is when he screws up, it's spectacularly bad. I think Kurt compared him to Matt Carl. Like, <laughs> when Matt Carl messed up, you noticed it. Oh, yeah. And these, like, weird week, two-week stretches that he gets on where he just forgets that he's an awesome skater and falls down a bunch. And it's just maximum chaos. <laughs> you think Elaine Vigneault is just yelling from the bench, like, you know how to skate. What are you doing? <laughs> it's so wild, though. <laughs> Big Al just screaming, for fuck's sake, Travis. <laughs> Same, though, but I get it. I get it. I can relate to that. Well, if he does, so whenever that gets worked out, because that's going to get worked out for sure. Sanheim Ristolainen, I think... <sighs> Is that your projected middle pairing? I, I, that's what I've seen most often. It's got to be, right? Like, because you're not putting Ristolainen on the third pa- or first pair with Provorov. Absolutely that's one not. of the, the benefits I hear of Ristolainen coming to the Flyers is less ice time. So why would you put him on the first pairing? No, number one, you don't get Ryan Ellis and don't play him on the first pair. Yeah. That's lunacy. Yeah, I just, I, I can't see this going any other way than Provorov, Ellis, Sanheim, Ristolainen. And, uh, yeah, that pair scares me a little bit. I think they might be fine if you can work out a way to shelter them a little bit, but... So you get really spicy, and you do Sandheim Braun, and then you do Yandel Ristolainen. Oh, God. Poor Justin Braun. The interesting thing would be if York was up, and who knows? Again, it could work out like that, but what if, like, York comes up and York's with Ristolainen? Oh, God. Put the inexperienced rookie with. Is that hazing? It might be, technically. Look, I want to give him a chance, but I don't know. I just, Ristolain is such a tough one to figure out in the lineup right now. And Sanheim is like, Sanheim is such a surefire second pairing guy. I can't see him anywhere else but the second pairing. Yeah, definitely. And it just makes the move seem even weirder like the ellis move 100 makes sense the fit is there he's going to be playing with provorov and that's exactly the kind of stabilizing type partner that they needed to go out and get for him but bristolainen it's just it doesn't seem as easy of a fit and i i do kind of worry that because fletcher has said that he's wanted to pick him up for years and years like going back to minnesota right i think he said three years he's been looking at picking him up yeah yeah and yeah i just worry that he's kind of found his guy and he's trying to pigeonhole him into this lineup and the fit might not actually be as good as it could be uh that that definitely worries me I love that I started the show out by saying, I don't want to talk about much about Ristolainen, but I have talked about Ristolainen for half this show. It's it's fascinating, frankly. It's one of the more intriguing topics we come up with. Because Ellis isn't interesting, because Ellis is good. Everybody likes Ellis. Yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to be fine. Zero percent worried. 
Yeah, Ellis is just like a rock solid, amazing move, and that Ristolin is just de- divisive. But like, he could be the fan favorite on day one. Like, it really could go anyway. Yeah. Ugh. And the team hasn't made any other changes, really. Like Cam Atkinson was a change they made, but Cam Atkinson just seems like I don't know a nice, pumped up guy, and he also he goes back with Kevin Hayes too. Yeah. Well, the Hayes pack. I mean, they're just... They're, uh, the Hayes pack doesn't work. I gotta come up with a better one. I I will come up with a good Hayes, you know, mafia name at some point. But this little group he's assembled... They, I mean, they all have fun together. They're all having a great time in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, they... Uh, if they wanted to, to change up the mix there, uh, they've certainly accomplished it. That they have. That they have. That brings us to the other signings and trades around the NHL. And I've listed a few of them here. There's some, we're not going to touch on every one of them, but I wanted to touch on some of the big ones, some of the big storylines. Let's start with the New Jersey Devils signing the best free agent of the bunch. And I hate this so much. Dougie Hamilton, seven years, nine million a season. And that is... Ugh, that's a good deal for the Devils, and I really, really hate it. Yeah, I hate everything about it. I guess Dougie's like, well, I can have all the museums of New York. I can go to the Philly museums if I want. And I don't have to deal with all the crushing pressure of a rabid fan base every night. Yeah, I the fit definitely does make sense for him. Like, Dougie definitely seems to be that guy who just wants to go to work, do his thing, and wants everybody to just leave him alone, which... I totally respect. Yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah, I feel that. I love working from home. That's exactly what I get to do. I also want to be left alone 100% of the time. Okay, you know what, Dougie? That was a great decision. No, it was a terrible decision. We (laughs) hate the New Jersey Devils on this program, despite what other people in the Broad Street hockey community might be trying to spread these days. But it's... Dougie, 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 buddy. This is... It broke my heart. I knew the Flyers were never going to sign him, but... Man, and this is a good, objectively good deal for the Devils. I mean, this is, he was the best defensive free agent out there. He's one of the best defensemen. And if you compare this to what the Blackhawks did, the Blackhawks signed Seth Jones for eight years, nine and a half million. And, you know, Seth Jones has really got this, this reputation at this point about not, you know, that he's not that good anymore, at least amongst the stats community. And... It doesn't, I can't imagine it's going to get much better in the next eight years. Yeah, that's too many dollars. It's way too many dollars. I, and the Devils are, they're a young team. They might grow into it by the time Dougie's done. They've made some, some decent moves, but like, they still don't feel like they're there. No. And yeah, they're definitely still just seeming like they're occupying that murky middle situation. and. I don't know if they even have it totally figured out, like what they, how they want to build their team and what they want to kind of work towards there. Um, Maybe they're getting closer now and they're going to suddenly be good and I'm going to eat my words. I hope that's not true. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I I really hope they don't end up like the Rangers where I ate my words with them last year because I thought the Rangers were still going to be terrible for a couple years and then, oh, hey, it's Adam Fox. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Dougie Hamilton's the Devils. Hopefully the Devils will not figure it out within ever again. Because, you know, as we all know, the Devils ruined hockey. Scott Stevens, the war criminal, Marty Brodeur, loves his family too much at Thanksgiving. That's the old joke. But let's not talk about the Devils anymore. I actually would love to talk about, and strictly hockey right now, because I have a few more comments about this team later. But the Chicago Blackhawks, they have a lot of non-hockey stuff I'd love to talk about, but hockey-wise, I am completely baffled by this team. I don't understand what they are trying to do right now. It feels like they're trying to go for a run, and it, like they're they just a broke-down old gremlin of a car, and they're just putting like all new parts on it. It's like, dude, that's still a gremlin. It's going to break down on you. It's not going to go anywhere. But they, they're putting racing stripes on the side. Yeah, they really galaxy brain themselves into thinking that they're actually good, huh? They did. They 100% did. They got Seth Jones, because they got his brother, and brothers got to play together. Naturally. And then they went out, and this is my favorite, one of my favorite storylines of the offseason. They traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. They basically traded nothing for Marc-Andre Fleury from Vegas. Vegas doesn't inform Marc-Andre Fleury of the trade. He finds out about it on Twitter, which seems like a nightmare to me. Oh, yeah. Just the absolute worst. Can you imagine finding out, like, you got fired or you have to, like, move for work on Twitter? I, w- I fully would never recover. No. This dramatizing experience right there. So he gets traded to Chicago, and there's this, like, he doesn't say it outright, but there's a lot of reports coming out that he might just retire. And then there's reports, oh, maybe the Penguins will trade for him, because there's always rumors about the Penguins reacquiring Marc-Andre Fleury. But Ron Hextall did not decide to go for that. Surprise, surprise. Too bad. It's a real shame. But he didn't retire, and now he says he's going to play for Chicago. So, good for him. I, I But this is a team that, like, okay, so Kane, you know, no, no comments about him right now, but Kane can still play hockey very well. Taves is a guy who... I don't, I feel like he is just not with it anymore as far like he's got injury problems. His style of play does not age well. I don't feel great about Taves moving forward, especially if I am a Chicago fan. And then the Seth Jones contract. And on top of all this, they traded the Brent Seabrook, Seabrook contract to Tampa Bay for Tyler Johnson, who Tyler Johnson's a pretty good player. And Tampa Bay, of course, is like, yeah, we will take your shitty contract to use the LTIR space because why wouldn't Tampa Bay just be able to sign everybody and their mother? Still, it's insane. I'm I'm kind of obsessed with Tampa just always gaming the system. It's amazing. I love I'm it. impressed at this point. I it's just nuts. Like good for them. They met. They managed to do all that. They still managed to sign some good players and like they got Pierre Edouard Belmar for a million dollars, which that would have been amazing at the Flyers. I can't believe I'm saying this about Belmar, who I've always said is like a okay at best hockey player, but I would have vastly preferred him on the fourth line to Nate Thompson. Yeah, it really is wild how quickly the discourse there shifted. I'm still glad of all the guys they could have picked, like they picked him from the Vegas expansion draft, but it's still like, you know, why'd you have to go and have a pretty good career after that, bud? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the aforementioned Brian Elliott joins them for pretty much league minimum, but that makes sense, especially if you're Brian Elliott. But, like, then they sign Braden Point to a monster extension. I just, man, they get away with everything. It's crazy. Yeah, what is the, it's just the, how do they keep getting away with this? Yeah. Oh, Corey Perry also joined the team. Corey Perry, professional jerk, a million a year. Because, you know, this is his last chance to to really win a cup. If you can't beat him, join him. God, they're going to be insufferable to play against next year. It just never ends. It never ends. I I love the projected cap hit is already at $87 million. <laughs> With 5740955 in projected LTIR use. Just, just stunning. Good for them. This is the kind of shuffling that Paul Holmgren used to do back in the day. <laughs> Oh my god. I well, more power to him, I guess, but it's it's so irritating. Okay, so the Seattle Kraken, there was a lot of thoughts that they go out they would try to sign Gabriel Landeskog, who ended up going back to Colorado, but there was definitely a scare period where it looked like he wasn't going to. And they didn't sign him. And they didn't sign Dougie, even though, you know, Seattle's lovely and he should have signed there, but instead he decided I'm going to play in a literal swamp. So good for him. But who the hell would they sign with their space? Because Seattle's roster sucks right now. (laughs) I hate it. But they decided to spend their money on Jaden Schwartz and Philip Grubauer, who are both fine players, but not big free agent acquisition fine. No. Yeah, I, I really don't feel good about that roster. And... It feels it feels so weird, right? Like, it seems like Vegas really gave them the blueprint for how to build a team well through expansion or the expansion draft and be good right away and get fans and build up your market and all those fun things. But, like, it, it seems more like, I don't know, Seattle's going for a slow build or something and... I don't know what Ron Francis is doing. Whose contract was illegal? Didn't it was Grubauer's? Okay, yeah. Like, what is he doing out there? <laughs> he had to rework Grubauer's contract because it was an illegal contract. And I mean, he also drafted goalies up front, and he had to trade one of them back. He had to trade Vanacek back to Washington because they signed Grubauer. Just absolutely baffling. It, it's completely baffling. Like. Just some of these picks they made. Like, Mark Giordano is a fine older defenseman from Calgary. I always like him. He puts up a lot of assists. He's, you know, he's a good player. Alexiak, he's good. He's he's huge. Or is, what do they call him? The, the heaviest guy in the league on the broadcast. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks. Great. Thanks a lot. I love to be called the largest man in the NHL. <laughs> I am the state puff marshmallow man of NHL players. I appreciate it, guys. Good lord. Talk about something that'll just give you a complex right there. Somebody check in with Jamie there. Like, how is he feeling about that one? He's just writing in his journal. Dear journal, I got called fat on a national NHL broadcast on ESPN 8, The Ocho, today. I am very upset, journal. (laughs) Like, these other signings they make. Like, Adam Larson, again, fine. Was kind of hoping the Flyers would take a swing at him, but whatever. Yanni Gord... Alexander Wenberg was one of their signings. Why? 
Yeah, I mean, he's, like, sneaky good, but also doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, the The Giordano situation is such, is weird, too, because we were hearing rumors that he was going to get flipped, maybe, to the Rangers or somebody. Um, and he, to me, seems like the sort of perfect guy that you get and then move for whatever you want at the trade deadline. But with how they sort of marched him out there for all their expansion draft ceremony, that doesn't feel like the treatment you give to somebody you're planning on flipping at the deadline. Not at all. No, they marched him out like a conquering hero. Yeah. Captain Kraken, here he comes. Just imagine if they picked like JVR or somebody. And look, I'm actually glad they didn't pick JVR because I'm a big JVR fan and he was fantastic last year. And I think he's a really great hockey player to have on your team. Now, Obviously, it made things more difficult with the cap, and I will give it to Chuck Fletcher for making a really good hockey trade and doing Voracek for Cam Atkinson straight up. Like, that really was a nice trade that I think helped needs on both teams. Poor Jake Voracek, though. But <laughs> ultimately, like, how great would it have been if, like, Voracek or JVR came out there? Like, a good, big, recognize just one good, big, recognizable name that they could march out there. They, they could have got Carey Price! Gary Price! Gary Price would have been amazing! Come on! But no. Mark Giordano is your big name. I just, I would love to know what the plan is out there, because I cannot figure it out. I'm just glad, ultimately, two of my least favorite Penguins from last year went to them in Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann. Like, both guys drove me nuts last year with the Penguins, so to see them wave goodbye to Pittsburgh and end up in Seattle. I couldn't be happier about that. Yeah, very much fine with that. And McCann had that wild ride too, because he got traded to Toronto and then got left unprotected. And basically Toronto just traded for roster protection from Pittsburgh. Yeah, it um definitely a, an interesting move there. I don't hate it uh, from Toronto's perspective, but also Pittsburgh side of that is so weird like you get a seventh round pick and prospect back that you had already traded away i don't know what ron is doing over there like ron had a really weird free agency period free agency was weird i don't think their draft was very good either which i like we said you know it's a weird year so grain of salt with that like that's supposed to be your thing hextall right you're supposed to be the draft guy what are you doing listen i don't i'm not complaining they can be in chaos mode out there for as long as they want. But still, it's weird. Hey, listen, they got that Mike Matheson locked down, and that's all that matters. Truly. <laughs> A weird team. I'm looking over this roster right now, and, and man, like, I, I do hate the fact that the Penguins always find a way to have just, like, five guys you've never heard of score 20 goals in a season. Like, I remember looking down their stats at one point while doing the Flyers forecast last year or last season and going like, I, how do these guys all have like more points than the top scorers on the flyers? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's gotta be something in the water out there, right? It must be. And you know, there's so many bridges who knows what's flowing through those rivers. I, you know, there's no way to tell. The world may never know. The world may never know. Well, it's coleslaw. Ultimately it's, it's all about the coleslaw. When you put it on a sandwich, it makes you good at hockey. That's, it's that simple. All that mayo. It's all that mayo and french fries together. It's 
just a, a wonderful combination. Ugh. Ugh. I'm like over here dry heaving. Uh, yeah, I it's it, I don't feel good in my stomach right now. Don't feel good at all. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought us here. Yeah, nobody wants to end up in Pittsburgh. Now, the last team I really wanted to talk about, and again, there's lots of notable signings and all that stuff, and there's still plenty of stuff out there that is like boiling over. I'm specifically looking at St. Louis, where Tarasenko is just miserable and putting out his agents putting out like you gotta you gotta trade him now, guys, trade him now. Like articles out in the press, and then they haven't done it, but that's gonna keep going on. Nobody knows when that's gonna end. The Biggest question mark I have on a team besides the Kraken for the offseason is the Carolina Hurricanes, who had, man, they just made some choices. And I, I think the biggest, most disappointing choice has to be lowballing Dougie Hamilton and then ending up with Tony D'Angelo, the, I think, least valuable player of last season, the LVP. Tony D'Angelo is brought in as a Hamilton replacement and... It's just a stunning move from, I think, the most likable NHL franchise that just quickly lost that title. Yeah, I mean, like they had done so much work, it seemed like, to build up a lot of goodwill around their franchise, which is exactly what you need to see happening for a smaller market team. Uh, and they just wiped that out at absolute warp speed. Yeah, they really did. And they were very, like, standoffish about the 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 signing there saying like, well, you know, he, he, he seemed like he, you know, was sorry about it. And he, everybody had nothing to say, but good things about him. Like, oh, good Lord guys, is this really the way you should be addressing this? There's like so much to unpack there. I think the thing that really bothered me is like, there was so much harping on in all of their statements. Like he feels so bad about what happened in New York and it's never happened again. He's truly repented. But like, the thing is what happened in New York was the, again, like he has a history of using slurs and being unkind to his teammates and just all of these things. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And he has this history and we're going to pretend like he doesn't have this history. Like he's just always been this stand-up guy. And it's clear that it's just a hockey decision and it's about just trying to get a hockey player who has offensive talent for the minimal amount of money to get a player like that. And it's just very disappointing. It's one of the, like, you really hate when you learn that teams really don't give a shit about this stuff, except, you know, if they can win with it. Yeah, and I I think that's seemed like kind of an overarching theme of this offseason for them, right? Like, we know that hockey is a business, absolutely, but they just, teams just really don't care. I mean, with lowballing Dougie, who had been such a centerpiece of their team, they traded away Nadelkovic, who just won the Calder. That was a stunning move to me to go with. They ended up with Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta, who, fine, you know, they're, they're pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Anderson's got some injury concerns, too. Like, the durability thing is a real question mark there. So that's definitely not a slam dunk. And yeah, I don't know. That one was, yeah really baffling to me but yeah i mean this is this off season really feels like 
the Hurricanes slamming their fist on the table to remind you that just hockey does not care about people. Between them and the Montreal Canadiens. Ugh, God. And the Canadians were the team that were rumored to be in on D'Angelo before the Hurricanes shocked everybody by signing him. Yeah, just what an absolutely reprehensible organization they are showing themselves to be. They just do not give a shit. And again, just coming off of a great run where they got nothing but like praise from people and people enjoying the Canadians again. And they were just like, let's throw this all in the trash. Just straight in the garbage. Just straight up trash. Yeah, let's leave our franchise goaltender unprotected. Let's select just the single most controversial NHL draft pick. In a sex years. criminal. Like we can a call sex a criminal. Spade. Yeah, let's. Let's call a spade a spade, a sex criminal, and somebody who flat out said, don't draft me. And they said, no, no, no we're going to draft you. Yeah. Just stunning. And let's not forget, Bergevin was also in Chicago. I mean, we're hearing all of these, uh, the Aldrich allegations coming out around the uh, the Blackhawks now. Bergevin was in that organization at the time there, too. So Jesus, it's that. Is, and you know what? This is a great time to jump into the Blackhawks off ice stuff because I've been wanting to address this and it's difficult and I don't want to linger on it too much, but the Chicago Blackhawks just this Aldrich stuff is just so disgusting and reprehensible. And just the thought that I know they're putting on the investigation now saying, Oh, we've investigated it. What else do you want us to do? But it very much feels like this is something that was covered up in a a Penn State kind of way, and it feels just disgusting, and it's something that the league is really trying to keep as low in the news cycle as possible. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I could be wrong here. Haven't they said they, or they've been cagey about saying whether they are going to make their findings public, which feels like feels like a no. It feels like a no. It, and it, or at the very least, like, they'll just kind of say, like, well, you know, we found this, but then kind of bury the lead and put stuff in, like, documents that people have to go sift through, which in this day and age, people will sift through those documents and they will paste them all over social media. So you will see it, like, the, the courtroom documents that have been coming out, which are beyond disturbing and disgusting. It's just, like... It's stunning to think that this was happening and nobody knew about it. And then which which uh, member of Chicago had come out recently on a show and said, like, well, everybody knew about it, but nobody said anything. I don't remember. I, I, I know the like article situation you're referencing. I don't remember who it was, though. But yeah, something like that. Obviously, people knew and. It's just, it's really disheartening is, is what it is that just this is allowed to continue. And there has been as big of an infrastructure in place as there had to be to keep this under wraps for as long as it has been. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, essentially, I'm looking at a, a New York Post article about this, and it said, setting a former team marketing official, TSN reported that it was an open secret within the organization that Aldridge had sexually assaulted two players. A player on the team told The Athletic everyone knew about it. And it's... I remember Taves took uh, kind of umbrage to that or some. It might have been Taves or... I don't know. It's just like... 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. And when people are coming out and saying, like, of course, nobody on the current team, and there's a couple guys on the current team that were around then, but nobody wants to come out and admit to, you know, knowing about something like that. But it it does not feel like something that was actually kept a secret. And I'm sure there are rumors, you know, if something happens to a guy, they're going to say, don't, tr- don't leave yourself alone in a room with that guy. But it's like Hollywood, right? Where everybody knew about Harvey Weinstein being a creep, but nothing happened until much, much too late for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just, the more I think about it, and it's just like, I have so little faith that anything is actually going to come of this in terms of the organization owning up and there being actual consequences from the league or wherever. It feels like the only consequences are going to come legally. Yeah. It does not feel like the league will do anything because the league does not do anything unless they absolutely are in a corner PR wise. Unless uh, you hear some rumors about your one of your players betting on their own games or whatever that we can that we can investigate promptly. Yeah. So Evander Kane, there's a rumor about. uh, So what was it? His is it wife or ex? I think it's his current wife, right? Uh, current wife. Allegedly, they're like in the process of splitting. Yeah. Yeah. She came out on social media and accused Evander Kane of betting on sharks games on betting on the nhl and as we all know even though there's i don't know advertising everywhere for betting apps that's a big no-no betting on your team like pete rose did that blah 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 but like the nhl has just like jumped into this full bore saying like oh we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this we gotta change our the way we think about these things it's like well what about this just horrific horrific brad bradley aldrich situation no, 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 no. Let's, let's not focus on that. Let's talk about betting. Everybody loves betting. Let's, but our players can't love betting. Yeah, it's absolutely rich that this is what they've uh, they've taken a hard stance on. And especially with Evander Kane, this is what they take a hard stance on. Yeah. Because Evander Kane's been through some shit and been accused of some shit. And it's like, it, it's just so hypocritical and just so disgusting. It's like, where are the priorities at in this league? We know where the priorities are at and it's whatever... It makes you money. Like what? Ultimately, you can still promote DraftKings while you're, you know, chiding Evander Kane. It's just my head is spinning. Yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah, things like this. It is so hard to be a hockey fan at at times like this. It's it's all just really disheartening. It's extremely disheartening. And I love that on top of all this, this isn't even an issue that's being brought up right now, but the Chicago Blackhawks are still a team that uses a Native American icon on their jersey. And they still have just not said anything about like, well, these are classic jerseys. We can't change it. Buddy, have you seen what the Washington Redskins changed their name? You can't like, you could do one positive PR move. Maybe you could just do that and just change to the Hawks or something. Like, no, 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 we're, we're still going to continue to, to use a Native American icon and we're going to, you know, just be a piece of shit and try to cover up this uh, horrific sexual abuse scandal. Yeah. And even the, oh, I don't know what they've changed to at this point, but formerly the, the Portland Winter Hawks who had modeled their Jersey logo situation on Chicago's look, like they just changed 
theirs because they're like, yeah, we understand that this isn't, this isn't okay. We understand it's 2021 and we should know better about this by now. Like the Cleveland Indians just changed the Guardians. That's it changes that are way past overdue. And nah, it's, I, we'll probably see the Chicago Blackhawks change and like, Either they're going to change like right after the season for the PR bump or they're going to wait like until the very last chance they can possibly do it. Like it's going to be like six years from now after getting a ton of pressure and like fine. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for as long as you have people talking about the it's the classic logo, it's one of the the best looking ones in the league and people are still buying these jerseys, they're not going to do anything. It was a great nerd voice right there. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's just so many problems. So many problems with being a hockey fan right now. And I, you know, it's it's hard to reconcile everything. I will say that much. Yeah, that's, you said it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that everything is properly investigated and litigated and, and justice is served with these Aldrich allegations, because that is just an absolutely disgusting case. And if everything is true, that is a disgusting, awful human being who deserves whatever is thrown at him. I, I don't know a good way to gear shift out of this, but I will just say that the NHL, has a lot of reckoning to do and a lot to clean up on the PR side and needs to get its shit together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, big gear shift, but I'm just going to lean into it. The one thing that that the league is kind of doing better, or at least will be doing better over the next couple of years, is the TV coverage. We're hoping, at least, that between ESPN, TNT, all that stuff, we're getting new, better dynamic television coverage and i i noticed today i saw some news that friend of the show john tortorella is joining espn as a studio analyst and this can only end amazingly yeah this is uh this sure is gonna be something i was trying so hard to picture what this is gonna look like and i i have no idea but i am thrilled to see how this shakes out this has got to be one of the best hiring decisions, period. And this is where Tortorella should be at this point. Just a screaming hockey head. Yeah, they and they should not be allowed to censor him at all. Just let him say his piece, do his thing, full chaos mode. Listen, you're putting this on full chaos mode. You're putting this on ESPN+, Plus, right? Like, I'm a big boy. I can take it on the internet. Like, let me hear full unbridled torts hate for these people. Absolutely. Like, especially Blue Jackets games. I want his just full uncensored commentary after watching his former team. Yeah, just talking so much shit. Oh, just furious about everything. I really hope it works out better than, like, I'm still so massively disappointed by Jeremy Roenick as a, a talking head on NBC Sports because Roenick seemed like the biggest slam dunk ever, just given his personality when he played the game. And he just sucked. Yeah, it uh, it really was not good, and neither was Babcock, to be honest. Babcock, you know, I I can, I can see why they made the hire because before you know everything came out about his coaching tactics and his relationships with players, as far as uh, 
I got to watch how I'm saying that at this point. Jesus. But like, you know, everything came out about how he just would play these mind games with guys and, and really just kind of be an asshole to his players. He was a very well-respected coach before those last couple of years in Toronto. So I can see how it was an intriguing hiring, but he really just did not work. Tortorella is a guy who's always worked great with the media in eviscerating the media. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a fun mix. You know, he's just cursing off the reporters and the players at the same time. Yeah, I would love to see him be the guy who's running that like your remote cameraing into the arena interview guys out of breath right at intermission situation. <laughs> yes, just see what happens. Yes, absolutely. There. But you know, Torts. Here he's a lovely guy outside the ice. Finally, final note of the night. I wanted to mention there was uh, some Phantoms hiring news recently. And man, old friend of the show right here. My favorite Flyers captain, the most consequential Flyers captain of all time. Jason Smith is going to be one of Ian LaPerriere's assistant coaches for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Oh, so excited. Legendary Flyers captain jason smith jason smith was captain for a year and we all knew it was just the countdown to mike richards but it's it's always funny to me to think about jason smith just one of these like footnotes in flyers history but he's back and it's wild and brad and i were talking about this but how funny is it that you the flyers finally hire a management group that's not quite so intertwined with all of the the Flyers history and you get just this new coaching staff is so former Flyers TM (laughs) like how does this happen the big club is as unflyer like as possible even to the point where AV just brought in another one of his guys during this offseason and the minor club is just as entrenched it's like the old like it's just, the, it's what you expect from the Flyers in the minor league right now. It's outstanding. Actually, I think Kevin Hayes and Danny Briere are co-shadow GMing the team with uh, the first or the other new assistant coach with the Phantoms. Riley Armstrong was uh, the coach in Maine where he works now. And then I think he played with Jason Smith, if my math is right there. So... Oh boy, that's a connection right there. At least Briere has the the GM training chops at this point. Whereas yeah. Kevin Hayes is just he's just a good fun party guy who likes to play hockey sometimes. It's like the chaotic evil lawful good <laughs> mix. Which one okay, which one does Kevin Hayes fall under though? Absolutely chaotic evil. <laughs> that energy is so chaotic. It is. Not it like really proper is. evil, but like Chaotic good, perhaps, or at least neutral. Chaotic good. Okay, I, you know, I think you might be right about chaotic good. I think, like, we might have to do the whole chart with the current Flyers uh, <laughs> team currently. Like, Ristolainen's falling into the chaotic evil, and, like, Kevin Hayes is chaotic good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting at the very least. So, Jason Smith is back. I'm so excited about this. I really not excited jason smith is a footnote at best but hopefully it all works out for the phantoms as we discussed a few what was it a couple months ago at this point talking about ian laperriere that is a another intriguing situation to follow this season yeah it's uh i really thought they were gonna go 
more experienced with their assistants and they have definitely not done that so uh we'll see how that goes good luck cam york <laughs> it's gonna be an adventure for all of us a magical adventure for all of flyers land <sighs> well that's all we got for you folks and it was plenty if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter you can follow maddie at madeline campbell without the ian campbell because there's not enough characters for you on twitter womp womp maddie anything you're working on for bsh right now that you want to plug or we should keep an eye out for um i don't know just yet just cool regular standard coverage uh i don't have any big projects planned at the moment so it's a mystery for all of us stay tuned just come on to the site every day and see what's shaking (laughs) exactly you can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebomb, but for hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. And just wanted to plug, we've had some some great podcasts recently. Uh, Steph had a really good interview with Chuck Fletcher, so if you've not had a chance to check that out yet, please go check that out. But, you know, regular BSH Radios and Flyperbole is coming at you for the foreseeable future, except in a couple weeks when I will be off, but I will remind you about that in an episode or two all right that's all we got thanks so much for listening and until next time in the words of the great gene Hart, good night and good hockey oh wow wow oh wow oh wow